Laudato Jesus Christus, Vatican and World News. In the headlines this Monday, February the 5th, Pope Francis phones a Haitian nun who cares for children in the slums to convey his support. German church leaders share growing concerns for the rise of the far-right anti-Semitic movement in their country. And the Archbishop of Dakar expresses preoccupation for the political situation in Senegal as riots erupt following the decision to postpone presidential elections. In the Vatican, I'm Linda Bordoni. In a gesture of closeness to the suffering people of Haiti over the weekend, Pope Francis called Sister Paisy on the telephone. The French-born nun has been in the Haitian capital of Port-au-Prince since 1999 to devote herself to the children of Cité-Soleil, an extremely impoverished and densely populated slum located in the city's metropolitan area. There she founded the Famille Quisito that cares for some 2,500 minors. As Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports, the Holy Father calls Sister Bézi to inquire about the situation in Haiti and to encourage her in her mission. Pope Francis made a phone call on Saturday afternoon to Sister Paisy, a French-born nun who has been in the Haitian capital of Port-au-Prince since 1999 to devote herself to the children of extremely impoverished and densely populated Cité-Soleil in the Port-au-Prince metropolitan area. In an interview after the papal phone call with Vatican Radio's Jean-Charles Puzzolou, Sister Paisy offered a few details about her conversation with Pope Francis and the reality facing people in Haiti. Asked how she received Pope Francis' call, she noted it was a great surprise. Une grande surprise pour moi parce que mon téléphone a sonné par le Saint-Père. When my phone rang, I obviously didn't expect to be called by the Holy Father at all, she said. He sent me a message of encouragement and thanked me for being there for the children. Sister Paisy said it brought joy and hope to many other people because this appeal was not just for me. It was really a gesture toward the children and the poorest people of Haiti. She lamented the always more precarious and violent conditions for those in the capital, noting we now see people sleeping in the streets with their children, something we didn't see in Port-au-Prince before. Asked, without the church, without their action, what would their future be? She said, they would be left to fend for themselves and live in poverty. What would become of them, she pondered, only the Lord knows. But a few days ago, she recalled that some mother said to her, Sister, if it weren't for you, we'd all be dead. <laughs> I think they were exaggerating a little, she noted. Sometimes I even wonder, she said, how people manage to survive when they go several days without eating and really have nothing. The Lord is present, she said. I think that's really the answer. He is present for them. He never abandons his children. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. Amid rising tensions in the Middle East, the U.S. Secretary of State is to visit Egypt, Qatar, Israel and the Israeli-occupied West Bank later this year. Antony Blinken's visits follow an encounter in Riyadh with the Saudi Crown Prince and Foreign Minister. 
In Egypt and Qatar, he's expected to push to advance the Egyptian and Qatari-mediated dialogue with Hamas to achieve a hostage deal and a pause to the Gaza conflict. A truce has already reportedly been discussed in detail by US, Israeli, Egyptian and Qatari officials. Blinken's current visit to the region follows criticism of the US from Israel's National Security Minister, who said Israel's ally had not been giving enough support. This came after the Biden administration imposed sanctions on four settlers amid rising violence against Palestinian civilians in the occupied West Bank. Meanwhile, in Gaza, nearly 27,500 people have been killed in Israeli strikes since the beginning of the war with Hamas, and 1.9 million Gazans have been displaced. And in Germany, meanwhile, the Catholic Church is sharing growing concerns in the country over the rise of far-right, anti-Semitic and anti-democratic groups who are gaining support among the German electorate. Bishops, men and women religious and lay Catholic organisations have supported massive demonstrations in several German cities protesting the dangers of resurging national socialism. Lisa Zengarini reports. Amid increasing anxiety over rising support for xenophobic and anti-Semitic groups among the German electorate, Catholic leaders in Germany have reaffirmed that their ideology is incompatible with the Christian and democratic values. Anti-far-right demonstrations have gained momentum in Germany after the media outlet Corrective released a report that pro-Nazi extremists had met in Potsdam in November to discuss the deportation of millions of immigrants, including some with German citizenship. Participants in the meeting included members of Alternative for Germany, a German nationalist and anti-immigration party currently ranking second in the polls ahead of the European and local elections to be held later this year. Demonstrations culminated on the Holocaust Remembrance Day on January the 27th and were joined by several church leaders, among them bishops from the Lower Saxony. In a statement released that day, the president of the German Bishops' Conference Bishop Georg Batzing remarked that remembering the Holocaust is not just a look at the past, but something to still reflect about today, as we see populist propaganda or migration poisoning public debate with its xenophobic and racist rhetoric. The German bishops have been mobilising on this issue for some time. In November 2023, six Catholic bishops of the Eastern Lander released a document warning against the activities of far-right parties. German men and women religious and Catholic lay organisations have expressed similar concerns, saying the so-called remigration plan discussed at Potsdam overtly contradicts the principle of the equal dignity of all people and the fundamental values of a free and democratic society. I am Lisa Zengarini. As protesters fill the streets of Dakar, the city's Archbishop Benjamin Ndiaye expresses his deep concern about the situation prevailing in Senegal following the president's decision to postpone the presidential election. Francesca Merlot tells us more. Archbishop Benjamin Ndiaye of Dakar, Senegal, spoke to journalists on Sunday expressing concern about the country's president's decision to postpone the presidential elections. He said, I share the current tension with my fellow citizens. Like many others, probably, I'm baffled by what's going on. 
The Archbishop of Dakar was presiding over a celebration marking the 175th anniversary of the legal erection of the parish of Joal when he stressed the importance of striving for national cohesion. Institutions must be respectable and respected in their mission if we are to move forward together, he stressed, adding that Senegalese people must avoid the technique of circumvention. In a televised address to the nation, President Macky Sall announced on Saturday that he had cancelled the relevant electoral law, citing a dispute over the candidate list. He said he signed a decree abolishing a November 2023 measure that had set the original election date for the 24th of February, but did not give a new date. Last month, Senegal's Constitutional Council excluded some prominent opposition members from the list of candidates. On Sunday, following the president's announcement, the streets of Dakar filled with protests after all 19 opposition candidates invited the country's citizens to take to the streets. Police fired tear gas to disperse the protesters. Aminata Tour, a prominent opposition figure who once served as a prime minister and is now a vocal critic of the current government, posted on X that she was arrested upon her arrival at a protest. Tour had previously held the position of Premier under President Sal, but later shifted to the opposition. In condemning Sal's choice to delay the election, Tour characterised it as an unprecedented democratic regression and urged the public to rally together to safeguard their rights. Archbishop Ndiaye emphasised his closeness to the Senegalese people and he stressed that when we greet people, we constantly wish for peace but that this peace needs to be rebuilt, and that requires truth in words and in deeds. I'm Francesca Merlo. Around half a million Catholics in the southwestern Indian state of Kerala have signed a petition calling for government action on living conditions. The petition was organised by the Catholic Congress, a Catholic lay association affiliated with Kerala's Siro Malabar Catholic Church. Joseph Tulloch reports. The organisers of the petition, which is entitled Survival Journey, want Kerala's government to address issues which, they say, are making life difficult for ordinary people. The Indian state is currently run by the majority communist Left Democratic Front. Issues cited in the petition, which is organised by Kerala's Catholic Congress, include a failure to pay government pensions on time, provide adequate financial support to farmers, prevent wild animal attacks and ensure adequate employment. The president of Kerala's Catholic Congress, a lay association within the Indian state, said, quote, We handed a list of demands to improve the lives of the people, signed by half a million Catholics, to the chief minister. He was very concerned and assured us that he would consider our demands, end quote. Catholic leaders, however, have voiced concerns, noting that on the topic of wild animal attacks, the situation has gone from bad to worse since previous assurances were made by the state government. Kerala, a thin strip of land on India's southwest coast, has been home to a significant population of Christians since ancient times. The churches there trace their origins to St. Thomas the Apostle. Today, Christians make up around 20% of the local population, which is majority Hindu. Many belong to the Syro Malabar Church, a Suiuris Eastern Church in communion with Rome. In recent elections, the Syro Malabar Church's Synod of Bishops appointed Raphael Thatil, formerly Bishop of Shamshabad, as its new head. I'm Joseph Tolak. Currently taking place in Abu Dhabi to mark the fifth anniversary of the landmark Document on Human Fraternity for World Peace and Living Together, signed jointly by Pope Francis and the Grand Imam of Al-Azhar, 
a series of events aimed to foster interreligious dialogue and peacemaking. Amongst them, a prize-giving ceremony on Monday for the winners of the fifth edition of the Zayed Award for Human Fraternity. The award recognises contributions of individuals and organisations to humanity's progress and peaceful coexistence. Winners this year include Sir Magdi Yaqub and two leading Indonesian Islamic organisations, Naldal Tuiulama and Muhammad. Yeah. Speaking to Vatican News, representatives of those organizations reflect on the significance of the award. It is a kind of recognition that what we are doing is uh, worthy for the development, the investment of human life. So by this award, we have to work stronger in the future to elevate human conditions in now while facing many challenges such as conflict, wars, poverty, climate change, etc. Why, in your opinion, did the jury choose your commitment to human solidarity and peaceful coexistence as an example of a practical application of the values of human fraternity? I believe that one of the reasons is because Indonesia is the country with the largest Muslim population, even larger than the Arab world. So I think the reason is that this world is not sufficiently known by other Muslim communities. This award will be like a springboard for bringing people to know better about Indonesia. As you may know that Indonesia is maybe the only Muslim country which successfully developed an experience for democracy and, and Islam that goes together. So uh, Islam and, and democracy go hand in hand. And we also have this civil society organization, Nahdlatul Ulama and Muhammadiyah, which represent a very strong community-based movement for humanitarian work. So even though this is an Islamic organization, but our work is not confined or limited to the Muslim. Our work is uh, across the faith and, and religion. And those were spokesmen for the winners of this year's Zayed Award for Human Fraternity, speaking there to Vatican News. And that's all for this edition of Vatican and World News. Join us tomorrow at the same time for more. Follow us also on our website at Vatican News VA, on Facebook, X and Instagram. My thanks go to Daniele Giorgi in studio in the Vatican. I'm Linda Bordoni. Bye-bye.